1: If it keeps going on that you're consistently unhappy with how you're allocating your time, then then that's a wake-up call. We need to make some adjustments. Now, if you're perfectly happy with with how you're doing it and you're meeting all of your expectations and your goals and your relationships and your career and you want to spend an extra couple hours on Netflix, great, that's awesome. Um, It might be a good use of time. and It might be healthy, actually. (laughs) But I think we need to be really honest with ourselves. Were we proud of where that time was spent? Because that's something that you don't get back
0: Welcome to Parent Footprint with Dr. Dan. I'm Dr. Dan. This show is about making the world a more loving, accepting, and compassionate place. One parent, one person, and one child at a time. The key to raising healthy and engaged kids is for parents to seek the same in their own lives while striving to be the best versions of themselves each day. No matter who you are or where you came from, with increased awareness, you can be purposeful about leaving a healthy footprint for your children, your family, and all those you care about while living your own life to the fullest. Today's show is Tech Addiction and Digital Detox with Forrest Bronson. Forrest is an entrepreneur, investor, speaker, and co-founder and CEO of Digital Detox, where he leads global initiatives for digital wellness. With a customer base in over 70 countries and a deep passion for improving the relationship society has with technology, Forrest travels the world to better understand how technology impacts our lives. Previously, Forrest was the founder and CEO of a leading customer loyalty company that was the fastest growing global loyalty CRM agency growing to an eight-figure annual recurring revenue with no outside funding, no debt, and no outbound sales teams. And of course, he was acquired. How could he not be? Boris led the company to numerous fast-growing company awards. And in addition, I love these awards, number 17 best places to work in the US and number two best places to work in California. This says a lot about who he is as an individual, and we're going to learn more. Forrest recently relocated from the San Francisco Bay Area to Lake Oswego, Oregon, where he lives with his wife and two children. Forrest, welcome to the show.
1: Dr. Dan, thanks for having me.
0: Let's start, okay, we got a lot to talk about today, but I want to start back with, um, I know you have a musical past, and we'll, we'll talk about that. But where I want to go is entrepreneurship and entrepreneurial values, your values, which have also led to this latest venture with um, Digital Detox. But tell me about this, your coming into being an entrepreneur and how that has formed you and how that has allowed you to impact the world.
1: Yeah, smart question. You know, at the core, I've always been an entrepreneur. I was the kid with the network of lemonade stands in second grade and always just very curious after college i was in san diego running crm at an agency and at the end of the day you know i wasn't fulfilled i wanted to build i'm a builder and you know I, my main passion is company culture when, when i started my last uh, agency we happen to be good at crm and loyalty but the main goal was can we create a, an internal community of uh, of employees and, and teammates that loved what we did added value to the community to our clients and that w- that was the goal we just happened to be good at, at digital marketing um so you know i think at the root in anything i do it's how can we build communities and how can we build Culture—it's obviously, obviously, very different now with digital detox, and um, mm-hmm. we recently launched Camp Light, which we could talk about. Right, um, right. But you know, as a core, as an entrepreneur, my values is—is is culture internally and externally, and and how can we add value with integrity while also having fun along the way?
0: That keyword with well, value with integrity, and I—I'm um, very fond of the word and idea of integrity, and you know, those of us outside. Of the corporate world and outside of the startup world, you know, looking in, it seems pretty intense. Um, can be pretty cutthroat, and a lot of the business practices that one thinks about is not always built with integrity. You know, like to get to the top, to survive. So, how? What is that? How do you do that? Like, how do you lean into the integrity, the culture, while still having to have a bottom line?
1: Yeah. I mean, sometimes you have to make tough decisions and I think it depends on what that end goalpost is. You know, my, my last agency, we didn't raise funding. So we didn't have VCs and um, angels that were kind of controlling the business. So that was a, a, a blessing for us. We had complete control over our destiny and how we wanted to operate. Mm-hmm. A lot of other shops that grow so fast, they don't have that luxury. They they have to answer. And I'm not saying that's a, a bad path of growth, but they it, it's just a different direction. Um, mm-hmm. You don't have full control. Over culture, and you have to make decisions to meet certain financial goals. With us, we were able to grow as slow as we wanted, and in some cases, that was a decision. We we turned away clients because we weren't ready to scale. We didn't have the headcount. We were still figuring some things out, and so we'd create a waitlist. And ultimately, that that uh, is 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 a, is a a great talk track, right? You know, we're mm-hmm. running a waitlist, but it, I think to answer your question, yeah, it's making some of those tough decisions putting people over profits, that's a cliche term, but it's real. And I think too many companies, large and small, they don't really put the calculus on how important it is to create that culture and keep employees happy. At the Mm -hmm. end of the day, that impacts bottom line. And so if in the short term we have to maybe make a little bit less, maybe our EBITDA isn't as strong, long term that's going to pay huge dividends because you're going to just have this vibrant uh, vibrant team we, mm-hmm. we had at time of exit we were 100 full-time and one percent attrition so we, we lost like one person a year which is just unheard of in the agency space and pretty much any yes. in industry so yes um that's that's real money right there not going through the hiring process not interrupting and disrupting client processes etc mm-hmm. love
0: that love that and it's in investing in in people and the and the human potential and you know and what we know is when people feel valued and believe in a cause and like working all the good stuff ends up coming out. It's just, it's going through a different door.
1: Yeah. no, And, and we created that and we didn't even have this, epic cause right like we were providing value by helping clients grow with their digital marketing you know we weren't saving the world but um we were still you know creating jobs and we were keeping people fulfilled and intellectually stimulated uh once we get to the to the next part of my career digital detox, that's much much more of the the passion project and the global cause but um i think you could still add value without
0: having a a dramatic cause that's saving the world absolutely absolutely Mm -hmm. Okay, as we as we work our way to digital detox, um, it starts with a friendship, and it starts with a, a long friendship and a long friendship through music. So, tell us a little bit about that.
1: Yeah, I mean, we could go. through, You want the whole story of Dee Dee and, and Levi and I?
0: <laughs> yeah, let's talk. Let's us talk about Levi, right? Like he's a, yeah. uh, such an important part of this.
1: Yeah. So, so Levi Felix, the we, we met in it must have been elementary school fourth fifth grade maybe even earlier and we became close friends in sixth grade and he was just this magical human at a very young age just phenomenal musician so i i, I play guitar i'm not very good he was the real deal he played you know seven different instruments and um you know we played in bands together and d- did things in high school navigated high school without phones this was you know we graduated circa 2001 2002 Mm -hmm. and you know this was before the iphone right and so we had it pretty easy and we'll get to that later i'm sure but yeah levi was just this magical human and we went our own ways in college and after college he was working at this tech company in los angeles and he collapses at work one day they take him to the hospital and they realized he'd been bleeding internally for a couple days essentially from overwork and exhaustion he was working like 90 hour weeks so this is around 2007 or so He kind of takes a step back and says, I don't want this for my life. This isn't right. He quits his job uh, with the love of his life, Brooke, who also was one of our high school friends. They travel the world. They live in Cambodia for several years. And and he comes back circa 2011 and says, I want to start this company called Digital Detox to help people be more mindful and have better presence and deal with technology because I think tech's going to have this huge impact on our lives. This was 2011. This is before TikTok and Instagram, as we know it. So Levi was an absolute visionary. So he called me up, and at the time, I was you know, starting and scaling my other company. So I wasn't involved in the early days operationally. I went to the very first event, most events. It was scaling into this beautiful company. They were doing summer camps for adults. I brought my company a couple years in a row. Mm-hmm. He was speaking around the world. He had a major book deal, and he's in a meeting with his literary agent, and he goes blind and deaf. And they rush him to the hospital again. It's probably ten years later, and uh, they find a brain tumor, and he dies seven months later at the age of thirty-two in, in twenty seventeen. And so it was just tragic, you know. At the at the, he was climbing, he was just at the peak, and mm-hmm. no end in sight, doing just such amazing work for the world. And then he died, and so the company went on hiatus for a few years. And I had sold my agency in 2018 and in 2020 there was an opportunity to take it over and and do my best to continue his legacy and that was 30 days before COVID hit oh. <laughs> so a, a, a bad time to restart a live experience company but um but here we are today
0: And 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 here's the irony i think of technology with covid is And the company is not anti-technology. It's about being mindful of technology because technology in many ways kept us all together through COVID. And yet, as we will discuss, technology definitely has um, some perilous aspects to it on our daily lives.
1: Yeah, a lot to unpack there. And at a core, it's an important note, like digital detox and Camp we're not anti-tech at all. We think there's some beautiful uses of tech. We think we should encourage it, especially with kids and in, in safe spaces, um, but it also could have a profound negative impact on our lives. In terms of COVID, yeah, it's a, a blessing and a curse, right? It connected us in many ways. It destroyed so much of our fabric as a connected community and other ways right um doom scrolling just getting completely crushed by bad news um over information and then with 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 teens and kids in particular it's fundamentally changed how they approach the world and how they communicate and how they interact with one another so Mm -hmm. covid forever has kind of changed how we think about communication and and connection
0: Mm mm-hmm Uh, And you guys have a deep and rich data set, and I'm just going to highlight a few as we um, saunter into this very important conversation here. So your data lists, among others, 77% of people check or pretend to check their phone to avoid talking to others. 38% feel less connected to their partner or close friend due to cell phone use. 53% Fifty-three percent wake up nightly to check their phones, and this one, this one is the kicker. Twenty percent of people check their phones while having sex.
1: <laughs> yeah, yeah. So, so a lot to back there, and I want to qualify the, the data. So we we developed the Dora Score, and this isn't just some you know silly survey you'll take on TMZ. You know, it's it's this thoughtful. Uh, assessment with some of the top mental health professionals in the country that have put together, you know, how do we, how do we determine in a a feasible way, how much tech is impacting our lives, and so that's where a lot of the data is pulled from. And we recently launched Student Dora, that's administered through high schools, and so we have some interesting data there in terms of the checking phones in the middle of the night. It's for 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 high schoolers, at least the data so far, is something like ninety percent are scrolling right before bed, and north of twenty five percent are checking notifications in the middle of the night, which is one of the worst things you can do for right. sleep. And right. if you're a child, that's interrupted sleep is one of the worst things you could do for for physical development in terms of that last act you mentioned, yeah, that, that, that gets a, a lot of attention, the 20% yeah. or so checking phones during sex. And I, I want to uh, clarify that that's not using a phone for, you know, a, a remote controlled app or porn or, or some type of couple interaction that's checking a notification. So it's, right. um, it, it's a, it, a completely unrelated to the intimacy, which is,
0: um, wild. It is wild. And, um, Coincidentally, or not coincidentally, my wife sent me an Instagram uh, yesterday afternoon of a comedian, and it was a, his, his, his little snippet about being mindful. And he said, No one, when I was growing up, he's like, No one talked about being mindfulness was never even talked about. He said, You know why? Because we were half mindful all the time. He said, When you were on the bus, you were on the bus. When you were, he said, when you were in the bathroom, you were in the bathroom, and he went through the whole thing. He said, "When you had to take back a VCR, you had to rewind the VCR in the moment. Mindfulness." And you know, he said, "I haven't been, done any of you know. It's been ten years since I've been mindful, and it's just to this point about how much our life is changed by having these smartphones with us and this habitual these habitual responses that we have to them and." and how they're set up to actually ping us all the time. If we're not aware of how we can put some controls in place.
1: No, it's wild. Yeah. Phantom vibra- vibration syndrome is a real thing where you think you're getting a notification, even if it's not there. And so you, oh, I've been there,
0: you, I've been there. Yeah,
1: yeah. yeah, We all have. So you just the yeah. check and what's fascinating. So I, I travel the world to kind of understand how all this stuff impacts us. And there isn't really any demographic or age group or anything that isn't impacted. Heck, I've I've seen, you know, some of my grandparents are addicted to their Sudoku on their phone, right? So Mm -hmm. it doesn't matter if you're rich or poor or where you live or Republican or Democrat or white or black, like it's impacting you. Um, Mm -hmm. And, you know, from a parenting perspective, it's, it's wild. I think it's a parenting challenge of our time. I mean, from pretty much birth until, out of high school and beyond it's on parents minds in different capacities but it's different things that's keeping them up at night on how to navigate this uncharted territory
0: Mm -hmm. Um, my wife and i feel blessed in the sense that smartphones didn't come to be until our kids were gosh probably end of middle school maybe high school and our kids even say like they are so grateful That they were just plucking away on their little flip phones with, um, you know, like texting was just coming into it. And how that was such a protective variable, of course, they still had to deal with all the stuff Mm -hmm. in high school and college. But it's like, and your kids are on um, seven or seven and nine or ish, eight Uh, and uh, 10? Yeah, yeah.
1: nine and seven, yeah.
0: Nine and seven, right. So it's like right in the thick of it is what do we do? Because every phone now is a computer and everyone's you know, whether you're in the Bay Area or Lake Oswego, everyone's got them, right? The, all all the kids got, I mean, some kids, I'm in kindergarten, right? So how do you, how do you do this? How do you manage this?
1: From a parenting perspective and yeah. kind of how do I think about kids? Yeah. So it's, yeah. there's a lot to talk about there. So I think it's very community specific. So a lot of our research is how do different communities thrive? Which ones are doing well? And you'll see that communities sometimes run in somewhat lockstep. There's always going to be some outliers, but you know you have communities because think about it. Like if you have a child in San Francisco, it doesn't really matter what kids are doing in New York with phones. They don't interact. They're not part of your ecosystem um, on, on a day to day, and so parents kind of follow what other parents in the school are doing, but that's where it starts to snowball. And what we see is usually in, you know, first, second, third, fourth grade, there's the best of intention to, you know, ride this out and wait as long as possible for phones and social media. And maybe parents are aligned there, but then all it takes is one or two to start to break from a friend group and then everyone kind of trickles trickles down. Yeah, I think in terms of like when to get a phone, so that that's one of the most common questions we get is, you know, what age should we get a phone? And I honestly don't think that's the best question to ask. It's so dependent on the individual child on the family dynamic on the school what do they want the phone for what are they going to use it for it's impossible to get and it's not an answer that people love but it's it's an impossible answer to give i can't give you a blanket answer of 10th grade or ninth grade is the best time to get a phone what i can say is that all the data is showing the longer you can wait on social media in particular the better for development development and mental health there hasn't been one study that's shown early onset of social media access has a positive benefit
0: unfortunately countless studies and um, clinical experience and parental experience the increase of anxiety depression self-harm substance abuse low self-esteem eating disorders name it due to increased um social media use is it's i mean it would you say it's pretty factual now like this isn't anything we need to question anymore.
1: Yeah, absolutely. What I would say, though, is that doesn't mean that every child that has access to social media is going to be depressed and um, uh, uh, developmentally held back. Not at all. There's some very healthy ways to leverage social media. But it, it, on average, yeah, no, that's that's absolutely correct. I think a lot of it comes down to, you know, how parents are introducing and educating. And, mm-hmm. um, you know, unfortunately, again, there's there's no roadmap for it. So it's, it, again, b- back to the age, a lot of parents will say, okay, we're going to wait till ninth grade. There's nothing developmentally magical about ninth grade versus eighth grade, for one. And then two, it, it, a lot of parents feel like if they wait long enough and then they just give them free reign, that's okay. No, no, no. I would, I would actually rather have someone get access to whether it's a phone or social media in seventh grade with a lot of coaching and education than ninth grade with zero oversight and discussion. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm.
0: So, okay, so what are you guys, you talked about Dora. Let's talk a little bit more about Dora because this is a way that you are a, a systematic approach for people and, and um, communities to assess technology health.
1: Yeah, no, absolutely. It's a, a, a mathematical measure of, of how it's impacting. And we're starting to get a large data set around the world where now we could start finding trends and we're going to have some reports, hopefully, sooner rather than later on some of those geographical trends. Um, so that's sort of the, the technical solution. Camp Light's a, a brand that we launched two months ago that's specifically for parenting. And uh, uh, I'm not plugging Camp Light there. It's it's a passion project where we want to help parents navigate raising kids with tech, so that's a, a private community for parents to deal with all of these questions, AI, screen time, porn, chat GPT, when to get a phone, et cetera. But yeah, in, in terms of Dora, you know what we found from some of our um, focus groups afterwards is, is people feel better after taking it just from the questions. They start recognizing, oh wow, I am mm-hmm. checking my phone at a stoplight. Um, I am waking up in the middle of the night. I probably shouldn't do that. Maybe I should focus on some of that habit change. The challenge, though, is, as you know, effectively changing and improving habits is very, very difficult, right? It takes a lot of work, a lot of focus, and most people don't have the tools to change those habits, even if they want to. But at least being aware is a good first step, and uh, the intent is a great first step as well.
0: How does, I imagine the Dora scores are, are something that people can revisit Right, like you take it, you get a baseline, and then you have a new awareness. You try some new things. You go back and you see, and it's actually. I just really like this idea of quantifying the use um, as a way towards digital wellness.
1: No, and that's the vision of it. And the the door score is uh, built on a a scale of zero to one hundred and twenty. There's multiple different um, kind of risk levels, and no matter where you're at, there's always room to improve. There's no one that's going to score a zero. Um, Mm -hmm. it, It just it's impossible nearly. Um, But, you know, even if you're a green 12, there's still things you could do to improve. So that it's a very positive approach to, we're not trying to show you, oh my goodness, um, you're doing horrible. uh, You're struggling. No, it's more so here's kind of where you're at relative to the population. Here's what that risk level looks like based on your behaviors. So now let's kind of take some steps to improve that. Can we get that score down five points? Can we get it down 15 points? And uh, to your point, yeah, some folks are taking it monthly, some are taking it quarterly. Uh, it, it hasn't even been live a full 12 months yet. So um, mm-hmm. uh, our vision's kind of more once to twice a year and you could
0: get a good pulse check of, of where you're at and how some of those habit changes are actually improving. Nice, nice. And, and as you found, students care. Um, some, some more of your research has found, um, I was heartened by this, was 63% of students want digital resources at school. 60% feel that social media negatively impacts their self-esteem and 73% are concerned about their safety online. And so and you guys are now you are you, you, sco- rolling out your programs with schools to help with with this issue.
1: Yeah, yeah. So so we launched a uh, Student Dora in the fall on the East Coast and that's been rolling out around the country and that was eye-opening and and uh, actually fairly encouraging. I think Many adults and parents have this view of students that you know they're just addicted to their phones and they don't want to change and they won't listen to anything. And in some cases that's that's true. But yeah, to, to the stats that you mentioned, many, if not most, recognize, wow, this is this is impacting me. I want to get better. To the point, uh, we do a lot of um, uh, kind of post survey focus groups and kind of one on one interviews. Many even go as far as saying, I wish my parents would have waited longer to give this to me because I feel Mm. like a different person now. And it's just, it's heartbreaking. Um, It's heartbreaking. And once you're at that point, though, it's very difficult to backtrack, especially if your whole social circle isn't backtracking. So Mm -hmm. it's a tricky spot we're at in history where teens are, the the data is recognizing how much of an impact it has on teens. Teens are also recognizing Mm -hmm. how much of an impact, um, but taking that next step of actually improving is tricky the one thing that does get through and i, I speak around the country quite a bit to students is w- when we kind of extrapolate how many years of their life they're going to spend on their phone here just based on uh, n- 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 normalized data you spend five hours a day on social media that's going to equate to 12 effective years over the next 20 um Th- that gets through. Th- that's real. Th- those are real years and opportunity cost during mm-hmm. amazing time: high school, college, post college, starting your life, and a lot of times that that wakes them up and and they realize they want to actually make a change and and start
0: experiencing the world, um, IRL, and not uh, not on their device. As you go around the country and the world, are you like what is? Are you seeing this acceptance, this awareness? Versus how much pushback do you get from this conversation?
1: Specifically to students or parents or? Oh, actually, anyone?
0: yeah, anyone. I'm actually interested in all.
1: Yeah. So it's the kind of thing I think everyone reckoning, if you were to ask, you know, 10 people on the street, do they feel they have a problem with too much phone use or technology use? Probably all of them are going to say yes. Oh my goodness. The ones that actually, are going to put effort into improving that's much less right and many may say and one of the questions on Dora is how motivated are you to improve and that's overwhelming it's something like 80 percent are at least somewhat motivated and and i think it's north of 50 percent or 40 percent are extremely or very motivated um th- th- those are big numbers um it's so hard to actually make change, though. And so, yeah, mm-hmm. to answer your question, you know, we we work a lot with parents as well, and that's another thing. A lot of parents just, they give up. It's it's so okay. overwhelming, the pressure that they have, and they have so much else going on in their life, whether it's work or other responsibilities, and they, they give up. And so, yeah, it, 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 some days I'm optimistic, and some days I'm not, to be honest, uh, mm-hmm. just because there's, there's so much coming at you. What's interesting, though, is it, w- when we look at other things in history, when you look at seatbelts in cars, that took decades for car manufacturers to implement seatbelts to save lives. Look at t- uh, smoking and tobacco. I think it took California and most states 100 years, 100 years to increase mm-hmm. the age of smoking laws here in the big scheme of things we're moving very quick you know we're you know what 10 15 years in on modern social media let's not count facebook in the early days we're Mm -hmm. you know 10 15 years on on you know the iphone that as we know it and we already have you know most states suing big tech we have um the surgeon general declaring harms on children So, so we're making very fast progress so that that leaves me optimistic. And I, and I think, I don't know what the future is going to have in regards to regulation and legislation, but I mm-hmm. think we're going to see in the next you know two, three, four years, some interesting things. There's already states that are implementing parental consent laws. We'll see how they execute on those. There's a lot going on, and mm-hmm. I think a lot's going to unfold in the coming years.
0: That's a helpful perspective to think about it in, um, in the 20,000-foot view in the perspective of time and our culture and human change. Right, so everything is happening faster now with our technology. So it makes sense that it's going at a faster pace. Even if for many of us, it's like, wh- when is this going to stop? But uh, so the, the progress is heartening.
1: The, the, the progress is heartening. Um, I, I, I think two two interesting points though. One. Be careful what you wish for. And the the example I use when I was growing up, you know, we didn't have cell phones, but I would talk on the actual phone with whether it's a girlfriend or friend for hours, hours and hours. And my parents would complain for us, like, "Why are you spending so much time on the phone? Like, get out and experience the world." Um, Parents would give a lot of money or their left arm now to have their kids actually talk on the phone. Right? Um, Right. That doesn't happen anymore. You're you're not actually talking, and so careful what you wish for we, we we know this is bad we don't know what's coming next
0: right right <laughs> right oh man okay well yeah we're going to talk about ai in a moment because that's here that's this this next iteration um before we do that though i want to uh, i want to hear your ideas about what is digital wellness like what is this aspiration in our modern times like what is digital wellness
1: Yeah, that's a complicated answer. And uh, I want to get to that. But one other point, though, I think, uh, and we've talked a lot about sort of the negative, I think a lot of parents in particular, they ping every negative story as a blanket statement on negative. And we'll get into AI in a bit. That's a great Mm -hmm. example. There's some horrible bad actors that are using AI in a absolutely wretched way that doesn't mean all ai is bad ai is saving lives with medicine it's um, providing amazing opportunities for students to students to learn in a different way so we need to be very pragmatic and Mm open-minded about technology in general ai even chat gpt i think there's some really great uses um it's not all bad same thing with social media social media isn't all bad right phones aren't all bad um there's some behaviors and some uses that can be problematic and definitely are problematic so i I encourage parents to take a a little bit more holistic approach there's a lot of negative rhetoric out there Mm -hmm. painting just a completely doom and gloom picture of it all and there and don't get me wrong there's there's definitely some doom and gloom um arguably more so but that doesn't mean that it's all all bad right in terms of digital wellness yeah it's that's tricky to define it's kind of become a, a popular term digital wellness and you know, it's funny, you know, a digital detox retreat back in 2012 is very different than it was now. And I think the misconception with, you know, going on a digital detox is that it automatically kind of cures your digital addictions. It doesn't work that way. Digital detox don't, fix anything really it's a temporary break and it might provide some insight and perspective but it doesn't fundamentally change habits for some it might there's some stories hector hughes uh, has a great company in the uk and he went on a retreat and it completely fundamentally changed his life and he he did a 180 that's Mm -hmm. extremely rare Mm -hmm. For most of us, it would be the equivalent of you have a a very stressful work life, you go on a seven-day vacation to Hawaii, it's great, but you come back to that work life. Same thing with the digital detox. You need to be very mindful about how do you want to change habits and how do you want to improve. So when I think of digital wellness, it's about finding that balance. How can we use tech in a smart and healthy way in the household personally in ways that enhance our life, but then just being Mm -hmm. extremely mindful about how it's impacting you personally how it's impacting your relationships and nipping those as quick as possible so mm-hmm. ultimately finding balance
0: mm-hmm. so as as i'm hearing you i think about wellness in general in, and in terms of the, all the other categories what is your sleep wellness what is your um, exercise wellness right what sure. is your like all it's all about how do we how do we be aware of what these different aspects of our lives uh, how we need to be how we can be consumed by them and trying to find balance when we ask ourselves these questions like, is this good for me? Is this too much? Is this not enough? So it's, 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 I, I see it then as a, a constant conversation and, and, and self-assessment.
1: Yeah, and that was one of the reasons that we launched Dora to give you a a, a more mathematical assessment of where you're at. Um, But yeah, it's it's a lot of self talk. One thing we encourage parents, kids, anyone to do is at the end of the day when you when you go into bed, just ask yourself, "Was I proud of how I spent my time today?" Um, Mm -hmm. In terms of how much time I spent on the phone, how much time I spent with my relationships, with work, with exercise, whatever it was, and just do that assessment daily. And and if if you weren't happy with how you allocate, you only have a certain amount of waking hours if you weren't happy with how you allocated that portfolio of time you need to be honest with yourself how can you improve that the next day, ask yourself the next day, and um, if it keeps going on that you're consistently unhappy with how you're allocating your time, then then it, that's a wake up call. We need to make some adjustments. Now, if you're perfectly happy with with how you're doing it and you're meeting all of your expectations and your goals and your relationships and your career, and you want to spend an extra couple hours on Netflix, great, that's awesome. Um, right. It, it right. might be a good use of time, and it might be healthy actually. Right. But I think we need to be really honest with ourselves: were we proud of where that time was spent? Because that's something that you don't get back.
0: As I'm listening to very, it's is a very subjective thing and it's a very personal thing, right? And that's why you're like, you can't give an age. Like there's not a lot of black and white in this. I mean, we know that some things, as we, as you said, like the later we hold off with our kids on social media, the better. But a lot of this is very gray and it's really, it, it causes us to have to grapple with a lot of, it's mucky, right? It's, it, there's this, it's no right or wrong. It's not that clear.
1: It's not that clear at all. Yeah. yeah. I mean, there, there's some things that are clear. We know that, you know, prefrontal cortex doesn't develop until, you know, early twenties for most individuals. And so, you know, kids don't have the ability to kind of self-regulate and discipline, you know, that time. Um, we, we know that. That's that's pretty objective. We We do know, we're starting to see a lot of data in terms of, neurotransmitters and the neurological impacts of um, excessive screen time we also know that uh, you know compared to the games of the 90s the video games now are just built with um, uh, abilities to hijack your brain and um, with gamification and um, with grinding mechanics to make it that much more addictive we know that that's that's a fact Um, what we, what we, there's a lot that we don't know though. So it's, it's a very subjective game and it's very individual and even more so for, for kids, um, in terms of their personality and their overall environment. But one thing, you know, we talk about with parents they often come to us, you know, complaining or coming with a, a situation with their kid. You need to look at yourself first because more <laughs> yeah, often than not, lie. we'll see a parent that's, you know, oh my goodness, my son's always on his phone at the dinner table and he won't connect with us. Okay, well, what, how are your behaviors? Mm-hmm. Um, are you present when when you're with them or, or do you have your, are you checking notifications during dinner? And I mean, 90% of the time, uh, you know, the parents are having some of the bigger issues and they need to yep. work on
0: themselves first that's so important. And, uh, as everyone knows, key to, uh, the idea of this show is self-awareness and modeling for our kids, like be the person you want your child to become. And, and what I think what we don't always realize is, man, it's not as hard as we think in the sense that you can't, it's really hard to control other people's behavior, but we theoretically have the most impact and control over our own behavior. And we're showing our kids how to be people like day in and day out. And I'm really glad you said that. I have so many clients over the years when their parents in this office or, you know, their parents are on them about all their technology use and they just turn them and say, you're on your computer and your phone all day long. Like you get up from the dinner table and you use them. How come I have to silence my ringer, but you don't silence your, I mean, it's just, it's like out of the mouth of babes. And it's so true that we're all in this together. And I think, um, It's these, just going back to something you said earlier, it's these discussions, these honest and open discussions, parent to child, as parent not having to have the answers, right, but having to talking about the issue and the conundrums and the challenges to really elicit a give and take relationship with your child, teenager, or even young adult.
1: Absolutely. So, a couple points on that. In terms of the modeling behavior, hundred percent. And I think what a lot of parents don't realize is how early that starts. they You know, we hear from a lot of parents that have kids that are, you know, zero to four. Like, okay, you know, they're they're not absorbing as much in terms of this. I'll I'll change my habits. You know, once they're more interactive. Oh my goodness, no. <laughs> you know, they're they're modeling they're modeling that behavior from a very young age, and they're learning kind of the the, the rules of life and phone use. So i think from pre-birth you need to come up with your your home game plan of you know what are, what are the rules of conduct with with phones and technology in terms of that communication that's critical and i wish more parents did that and, and in kind of a couple ways and i'll tell you a little bit how we do it in our household one is the just the importance and dr mothner and i were just talking about this on an internal episode yesterday the importance of creating that safe space and that open communication it's, it's more difficult to establish that once they're in high school. You could do it, but if you start much earlier having that open dialogue and um, creating that safe environment where they could to come to you for anything, that's, that's what you want. You want them to be able to feel safe coming to you with something and not feeling you're going to take their phone away if they have an issue. In terms of kind of talking about just the overall problems, you know, we started that at a pretty young age. I mean, kindergarten, we would talk about, you know, the pros and cons of social media. Um, You know, why a lot of news is very difficult to ascertain if it's real or not because of AI. And I think having those conversations from a young age that are age appropriate are very helpful and important as they get older and they start getting access. um, They'll just have a a better knowledge foundation of, you know, the pros and cons of, of all this and and how we're dealing with it. Mm -hmm. I think the last point on that is, is being, you know, just transparent about your own use. So, you know, there's times that as parents, we need to, use the phone when we probably shouldn't be using the phone. I think if we just call ourselves out on that, look, son, like, I have to take this call. I don't want to, but I, I need to. I normally wouldn't be looking at my phone in this situation, but here's a good use of it because it looks like it might be an emergency. Mm-hmm. Um, and just having that dialogue. And mm-hmm. then calling yourself out too. You know what? I shouldn't have had my phone out while we were playing Monopoly. I'm going to go put it away. And just acknowledging nice. that and being I,
0: self-aware, I think could go a long way. Mm-hmm. You mentioned AI what so what is um what does ai add to the conversation right you just alluded to you know this might not be real so how how do we now this next layer of sophistication with technology
1: we could probably spend a whole episode talking just about right. AI, and you know the funny thing with AI and machine learning, it, it's not new to 2023. Right? I mean, it's been around a long time um, in various forms. It's become more popularized and it's it's used in a much more um, uh, um, prolific way. But it's uh, it, it's it's not new. <laughs> um, I think where it gets complicated, uh, I don't know where to start. So if we get into fake news and deep fakes that's fascinating and that's hard for adults to understand mm-hmm. what they're looking at and if it's real and expecting kids to uh, to do that that's that's crazy i don't know how they do that in terms of things like ChatGPT, you know, a lot of the schools that we work with—we work with hundreds of high schools around the country. You know, in early 2023, that was kind of a big question. 2022, 2023, how do we deal with kids using ChatGPT? Should we block it? Uh, should we do this overall ban? And it's like, well, let's take a step back. We don't know enough about it yet. Let's let's kind of explore. I think we need to have the healthy conversation. Are there healthy uses of it? Um, are there ways that it can enhance our life without, um, you know, ultimately not teaching writing fundamentals? Essentially. AI, yeah, it's it's a mixed bag. I, I think it was New York or Boston just launched these AI police robots that are going around the subway with 400 cameras. Um, Robocop is here. Yeah, yeah, exa- exactly. Yeah. yeah. So it's, um, and we don't know where that's going to go, if that's going to be effective or not. So I I think my message is I wouldn't blanket AI as bad or good. It's both bad and good there's some great uses and Mm -hmm. there's some really bad uses so it's Mm -hmm. it's a it's a mixed bag and it's it's complicated ultimately though it's not going anywhere it's not Mm -hmm. like magically ai is going to disappear tomorrow and so i think the the challenge many parents have is they they try to just pretend that it doesn't exist um they try to completely block it out and, and resist 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 when in reality let's figure out how can we embrace it in a smart way And, Mm -hmm. uh, what are, what are kind of the ground rules for how we're going to have it impact our lives and our household? Mm -hmm.
0: Addiction. So it's been some time now that internet addiction, gaming addiction has been in some of the diagnostic classifications. Uh, I don't think there's an actual tech yet tech addiction. I'm wondering what you guys are seeing about, this is a continuum, right? Like this is a continuum of, of use, abuse, um, addiction. What do you see with that big A word?
1: Yeah, you know, it's it's tricky, and it's a huge continuum. It depends on, you know, the individual. And, you know, if we're talking about a, a kid that's, again, like with, with video games, it's become much more addictive because they're deliberately putting in some of these mechanisms that can hijack that part of the brain uh, that makes it that much more difficult to stop. So video games, I think, full stop, th- th- they're not less addictive than they were, you know, 20, 30 years ago does that mean that they're bad and don't have any positive benefit no i don't think so um does it mean that we need to be kind of more mindful about how we're introducing or which games that we're playing absolutely right in terms of you know addiction to screens in general yeah it's it's a complicated one and to your point a broad spectrum you know with Mm -hmm. kids we see some that just um you know have just crazy impulse and are not able to physically put it down we see that with adults as well so it's not specific to um to two kids but you know two two things two kind of historical innovations that i think really messed things up so one was endless scroll so i don't know if you yep. remember back yep. when, you know, pagination right yeah that was a fundamental technical change and now it's it, it started on social but now it's any news site you're at i don't think i've, I've
0: right. seen there's pagination. no end there's no end no
1: there's no end. And so that's, there, there's essentially, it's essentially a, a dopamine slot machine. And so that absolutely impacts how we consume information, whether it's on news, on social media, on shopping. And so that's, that's massive. And having the self-discipline to regulate and put that down is extremely difficult for most people.
0: Yes. And, uh and Netflix did a similar thing where back, remember back in the day you had, I don't know, was it 30 seconds or you, you actually actually had a, you had to purposely click to get to the next episode and then all of a sudden it was you'd look away for a second and then you 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 look back and uh and you're in your new episode and actually that that reminds me of a story so when our son was gosh was he middle school middle yeah maybe it was middle school um he was getting really into some of these shows and gosh i can't remember ah, I'm blanking. You know, the show on an island, it went on forever. Yeah, yeah. Uh, uh, Survivor? No, the, the, that's, yeah, that's the real world. No, the, uh, um, gosh, it was a TV show and it went through different time. They went through different time pieces. They, they, they land on an island, they crash. Oh my God, I can't, I'm blanking on the show. Anyways, it's it's it was designed, the end of every show, you just, it leaves you hanging and you have to watch the next show. And so I decided, you know, I'm going to practice what I preach in my uh, counseling room. I'm like, I'm going to join him instead of like, just gosh, he's watching so much. He's binge watching. And it was the summer. So I was also like, okay, it's a little different in the school year. I'm going to join him. So went in there. And of course I got hooked on the show too. And like, we were watching show after show after show. And then at some point he just got up and we weren't on a computer. It was on the TV. He got up and he stopped it. And I, and I remember I said to him, what? what oh, uh, gosh, I almost thought of the lost, lost. I think it was, yes. I said, I'm like, hey, what are you doing? He's like, well, dad, I figured out if I don't get up immediately and shut down the show, I'm going to get sucked into the next one. And I've just looked at him like, like, man, he just dropped a bomb on me. Like I came in there to join him. I got sucked into the same thing that he's been sucked into. And then he just taught me what to do to remove myself from it. <laughs> that, that's amazing. Wow. Yeah. That,
1: yeah. That, that self-awareness is, uh, is breathtaking. You know, another area we see it is with, uh, uh dating apps, right? And so, mm-hmm. um, a, a huge challenge with, with online dating. And I, I've been married for, uh, over a decade now um 2011 so like i i've been out of the dating scene since i I was never on the swipe scene right but um it's we see so many individuals struggling with that because similar to netflix and in the scroll there's an endless dating pool scroll and of course Mm -hmm. dating apps are decentivized to give you a quality match early on right and they, they lose a member so that's fundamentally changing relationships and how you evaluate connection and always trying to find something a little. A bit better. I think it's completely mm-hmm. changing. I think we're going to have a paradigm shift in the in the online dating space. That's not my area of expertise per se, but uh, my crystal ball is that there, there's going to be some paradigm shift because you know we have a lot of young folks uh, raising their hands saying this doesn't feel right. I'm Mm-mm. going through 400 matches to get one date that then has no connection. That's mm-hmm. not efficient.
0: Mm-hmm. You know, and that goes back to an important point we we're talking about with students wanting something different. I think we, I feel it's like our jobs to empower the youth and the younger generation with the information, with the support to make the changes because it ultimately, yes, we have to do things differently. Um, be mindful, be ethical, but it really comes from the user, right? The individual in terms of the changes they're going to make in their own lives.
1: Absolutely. Yeah. And I, and I think arming them with those tools to have that discipline, to make those decisions, arming them with the overall information, that's that's critical. I think, unfortunately, m- most parents don't have that data set and that information themselves to then properly educate them, mm-hmm. um, or they don't have the time or energy. So it's, it's a challenge, but I, I'm with you completely. In theory, that would be the way to go.
0: So in our ideal world or utopian society, what would you say, what, what do you, what do you vision is the optimal healthy relationship that we can have with technology?
1: Yes. again, that's, that's, I think very dependent on the family. Mm -hmm. Um, you know, I, I love tech. Look, I love watching a great show on TV. I love playing Mario Kart with my kids. It's amazing. It's so much fun. Uh, I love the feeling of opening up a new iPhone when I get one every couple of years. It's, it's great. Um, so, you know, finding that balance, I, I think it's more, you know, looking at that, that, I'll call it the portfolio of life. How are you spending your time? You only have so much time on this earth, so much time in a day, so much time in a year. And where do we want to prioritize that time and that energy? And I think if you start there, you have that foundation for where your focus is and then you pepper in technology and other you know ancillary cool things with tech. That's mm-hmm. great. That could be healthy. Whereas if you're focusing it where, where your core portfolio, your core holding is tech and getting consumed by this and you're not making time for some of these other amazing beautiful things in life that's Mm -hmm. probably less less healthy but Mm -hmm. back to your point earlier it's a very individual assessment i guess in like a fantasy world yeah like we, we don't go back to you know the the primitive times before phones and tech but i would love it if we could go to a restaurant and people weren't on their phones i think it interrupts the experience of others if i could go on a vacation and be by the pool at a resort and someone's not on their phone i think that would be i think that would be wonderful and i think if we could have more human connection um and back to that stat whatever 70 percent of people pretend to check their phone to avoid talking to others right that doesn't feel great i wish we could improve that
0: yeah Okay, in terms of your let's uh, let's help parents here, so you have launched a new program, you mentioned it earlier, Camp Light. So tell every tell everyone just a little bit more about how Camp Light supports parents who are on this path.
1: Yeah, so so it's interesting how Camp Light came about, you know, with all of our world travels and studies with digital detox and working with thousands of people you know we realize and all of us are parents as well that this is something impacting every single parent and it starts from age zero screen time ed tech learning apps the you know the, the list goes on so yeah, Camp Light's a private member community um it, you know think of like a facebook group but it's not on facebook there's no toxicity there's no advertisements and you're able to connect with other parents on challenges you're having we have expert led content special sessions um amas where you could ask our our uh, army of mental health professionals um and we we navigate things in a very what we feel pragmatic way where we're not anti-tech Um, we're we're pragmatic tech. And so we're we're looking and helping people kind of think through how to make these decisions for themselves and their household. Um, everything from age zero to to 18. So yeah, we're building this cool community. It's 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 really, really special. And um we're we're hoping we could get more members on that, you know, kind of share that value and that vision of we we just want to be practical about how we're introducing tech in our lives. We want to make improvements for ourselves and our kids. We don't want to be scared of tech, but we know that it's not going anywhere and we want to deal with it.
0: Excellent. Check it out, everyone. A safe place with expert advice and like minded individuals. <laughs> this thing, we're all on this path together. That's what we have to remember. Okay, Forrest, it's time for the parent footprint moment question. Are you ready?
1: I'll do my best.
0: Okay, here we go. Tell us about a time that you became aware of yourself as an individual, as a parent, or even an awareness of your own parents, and that new awareness had a positive impact on your life, your kids, and or those you love.
1: Yeah, I, I could probably think of of a dozen, but I'll, I'll, one in particular because it ties really closely to digital detox and what we're doing. Uh, back when we lived in California, I was walking my daughter to her preschool, and she must have been you know four, three, or four, and you know she she looks down at her hand at this like invisible object, and I'm like well, Claire, what, what are you doing? She's like, oh, I'm checking my phone just like Daddy, right? And Uh-oh. that was. Oh, a dagger sure. a dagger to the heart and you know from that day on I knew like I I, oh, I need wow. to I need to improve my own habits and I want to devote a lot of my time to helping other parents improve as well
0: boom man succinct poignant and uh, everlasting that one K- yeah. kids
1: will keep you honest right
0: oh man they have uh, they are teachers they are teachers and you were listening and you were listening yeah <laughs> Well, Forrest, uh, thanks for sharing your knowledge with us today and your experiences, and uh, this feels like such an important project and uh, a passion project for you. Um, Tell everyone where they can learn more and uh, what's to come.
1: Yeah, no. If you want to check us out, digitaldetox.com on there. You can take your door score. It's free. And then camplight.com if you want to learn more about our our parent community for helping parents navigate raising kids with tech. And yeah, we, we have a lot of interesting things coming down the pipe. You know, With Camplight in particular, we're, we just launched a bunch of resources to help support parents going through a bullying situation. That's something we didn't unpack too much on today's show, um, which is you know really, really scary for parents and kids alike and with digital detox we're going to continue to evolve our services for schools and our scoring methodology to hopefully help people just have a little bit more perspective
0: and you have a podcast
1: yeah the the, the tech reset podcast we we launched oh my goodness, has it been three or four months? So it's, it's, it's yep. fairly new. But you know, we, we take this approach of bringing on guests from around the world, from different walks of life, talking about different things related to how technology is impacting them. So check out the Tech Reset. We're having a lot of fun with it and, uh, and learning, learning the podcast hosting game.
0: Nice. And I did listen to the recent one with the dopamine. Uh, so you guys check that out. Very fascinating information about how our dopamine is designed to be released by these platforms. And uh, they do a really good job of it. Yeah, they do. Yes. All right, everyone. Thanks for listening. Uh, this is a topic that impacts all of us. So I know you have many people you're thinking about to share this information with, both about digital detox, um, the show, Camp Light. Um, Camp Unplugged. There's so there's so many resources uh, through this organization, and uh, Forrest is a ton of knowledge, and we just scratched the surface. So check out the podcast too for more. Thank you for listening. Thank you for being a part of our community. We so appreciate your five star reviews. They really do make a difference. You know what I'm going to ask you to do? Try to be that person you want your child to become, and ask yourself that guiding question: What footprint do you want to leave? This has been a Peters and Rossi production. Parent Footprint with Dr. Dan is produced by Laura Rossi. Our engineer is Phil Rossi. Theme music is Strummer Man, composed and performed by ProTunes. Artwork is by Garrett Ross. Follow us on Instagram and Facebook at Parent Footprint Podcast and on Twitter at Dr. Dan Peters. For more information, go to exactlyrightmedia.com.